Live Loud Life podcast, guys. Um, Nichelle is co-hosting with me today. Hey. <laughs> Special uh, guest. Yeah. <laughs> it's, which, is, which is great because I normally do these solos and, and it gets very boring just talking by myself. Um, but we have a good friend, Katie Braswell, here yes. talking uh, with us. And it's going to be prenatal nutrition yep. uh, specialty and all of that stuff. So I will let you introduce yourself. Perfect. Spill all the credentials, everything you want, and uh, and, and any um, social places where people can find you, Platforms. websites, so on and so forth. So, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hello. Thank you for having me. Two of my favorite people, chiropractors, <laughs> and people I lean on for a lot of advice and insight here and there. But I'm Katie Brazel. I'm a holistic nutritionist um, by trade. So I got my master's roughly like two and a half years ago in functional and holistic nutrition, and I'm board certified through the NAMP. So I work closely um, with clients. Now I see them one-on-one in group settings, also in group coaching platforms as well. Um, prior to working in the nutrition space, I actually worked in the sales um, sales field for um, natural food products. So I sold uh, brands like Rebel, Justin's, Kind Bar, and just kind of learned a lot about our food sourcing, where our food comes from, USDA, FDA practices, everything that really embodies food. So I really became passionate about um, nutrition at that point and also just passionate about sustainability practices, regenerative agriculture, and just really knowing where our food comes from and the corruption that's really on the back end of our FDA and USDA model. <laughs> Um, so, and my mom's a holistic nutritionist as well. So it kind of led me to this field and I've just become really passionate about working with women specifically. Um, my focus in school and in my clinical practice was predominantly on gut health, which was a good place to start because gut health does lead to a lot of things, whether that's infertility, you know, in women, postmenopausal issues, um, gut health and, you know, babies and, and moms and the whole gambit, autoimmune conditions as well. So with all of that, it kind of led me into um, kind of my practice and seeing clients one-on-one. But then after the birth of our son, I really got excited about prenatal and postpartum care. Um, really after just experienced that myself, we had a miscarriage. It took us a little bit longer to conceive. And just um, I really felt like there was a true need for more information like this out there. So that kind of led me to this. And so now um, it was funny because when I was pregnant with my son, I saw Michelle and we were kind of dreaming up this business. At the time, I was <laughs> knee deep in, as a sales rep in an industry that I loved, but I traveled a lot and it just didn't feel right long term. And so I attribute a lot of my success to this <laughs> woman right here. Um, but as far as, you know, I practice now, like I mentioned, I see clients one-on-one. Um, also, I have group coaching programs. And then um, I have a good blog too that has a lot of info. So you can find me at um, www.livewildbewell.com or on social media at livewildbewell. Um, so it's a good place to you find me. You should definitely follow that because it's really great. It's awesome information. Mm-hmm. And share Thanks. with anybody who knows pregnant and postpartum, all the stuff. Yes, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> true. Thank you. And now you guys are going to be doing some projects in the future, which we won't get into right now. Yeah. But that being said, right. uh, one of the main things that we ask our pregnant patients, which you're obviously helping with, yeah. supplements, right? So obviously we're talking about trying to eat uh, whole foods, yep. balanced diet, but when you're pregnant, adding supplementation. Yep. Is necessary, needed, encouraged. Yeah. Yeah. So what? What is your? I mean, start from open ended. <laughs> yeah. What's your? Uh, what's your take? We don't have to get into like the full list of it, but right. what are the main things they need to know yeah. about and need to look for? Right. Well, and it's in a really interesting topic because, and I would imagine a lot of people that are on social media and are looking around, look, they're pregnant or looking for advice on supplements. There's some polarizing topics right now on supplementation and pregnancy. And I'm definitely a whole foods practitioner. I'm always going to lean into foods more than supplements because our bodies can only break down so much. And we do a lot better with bioavailable forms than we do synthetic. 
So I have a lot recently, I think there's a lot more happening in this. There's a lot of discussion around prenatal vitamins and like, is a prenatal multivitamin really necessary? If someone has a really diverse diet, are they getting in the right, you know, essential nutrients? Do we even need that? And it really begs the question because, you know, there's certain clients I have that will bring that up and it's just like a flat no. They're just not really getting in enough bioavailable nutrients. Mm -hmm. You know, it has to be someone that has a diet rich in like um, vitamin A, retinol. Um, they're getting in a lot of iron, you know, choline, calcium, all the things. And with that comes a lot of like organ meat consumption because those are so like beef liver is like nature's multivitamin. So someone that's eating a lot of beef liver, which isn't the most palatable or delicious thing out there. So not everyone's <laughs> going to want that, but that's usually something, you know, that a lot of eggs, um, you know, and someone that's really, I would say maybe on the gluten-free side as well, like, you know, eating some raw dairy or grass-fed dairy, you know, getting in a lot of nutrients like that and wild-caught fish, sardines, um, kind of eating like our ancestors did in a lot of ways, like we talked about, like our grandparents. Um, so that's kind of one side. And I would say I bring that up because I'm getting a lot more inquiries about that. Um, I, there's a couple of influencers, I think, on the social media side that are pushing that pretty heavily because we're just seeing that women, like the rates of anemia are up. And like, it's like, why is that? You know, and I have so many clients that come to me and they're like, I'm on this iron supplement and it's not doing anything. So it's then we look at like a hair tissue mineral analysis and see their copper levels are really low. So they're not really absorbing iron appropriately. So they could be supplemented with all the iron in the world and never see their iron increase on paper. So it is pretty interesting when you start looking at it from that perspective. But if a general client comes to me and is just looking at supplements, you know, and they have, you know, a typical diet, they eat fairly well, you know, but they kind of want to stay on the prenatal routine. Um, a prenatal is, you know, definitely essential. And that would be most of what I recommend to clients. Um, it's really important to find a prenatal that does have a methylated folate because not to go down a rabbit hole, but there's a lot of genetic <laughs> variants um, that our population, like over 60% of the population has one strain of MTHFR, which affects how they're going to process folic acid, um, how they're really going to work through those nutrients. So we need to have a methylated form. I have clients who are like, well, do I need to be tested for MTHFR before I take this, you know, folate over folic acid? <laughs> And the reality of it is, it's better to take the folate. It's more absorbable, even for someone who doesn't. I have just MTHFR. say assume, assume that yeah. you are. Just <laughs> right. assume you are and go that route. Well, yeah. Now, so for can you explain a little bit more what that is for? Because I yeah. think people, I've had people say. I've heard about this. I don't yeah. know what that even means. Yeah. So MTHFR, so it's basically a genetic variant and it affects how we process methylated vitamins and B, and B vitamins specifically. So you have to have a methylated form so your body can actually adapt it and use it appropriately. If you like, let's say I, I do have MTHFR and I have a single strain, it's like a $200 test. So like Nichelle's saying, it's better to just assume uh, for a lot of people because it's not going to hurt you. Yeah. Um, so with that, it's all about the absorption and making sure that you can actually process it appropriately. Like if if I was to take folic acid, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to adapt it because my body can't process a non-methylated form of folate or folic acid. Um, so that's kind of a breakdown. We have to look at B vitamins too, though, because B vitamins are also a piece of the puzzle as well. And we do see that sometimes like, you know, with clients that I work with occasionally, we'll see maybe an overload of B vitamin intake. So I do look at labs a lot of times in conjunction with an MTHFR diagnosis, just to see like, okay, is there something else going on here? Do they have an overload of B vitamins? Is their body maybe able to process them a little better than we thought? So it's all kind of a, a big piece of the puzzle. Like with a, And that's kind of the issue with a general prenatal is it's not always, it's not just like a one size fits all for everyone, which makes it a little challenging. Now, so question I have for you is because so many people 
mm-hmm. don't eat well. Right. They think they eat well too. So right. there's, you know, it's actually looking at what are you actually <laughs> eating because people think they eat a lot better than they do until they write it on paper and they're like, oh crap, I'm really not eating that well. Right. Plus adding in, so most people don't eat well in America. Right. Adding in that when you're pregnant, there's things that you do not want to eat. Right. So I can make myself suffer through things I don't like in the taste of right now and maybe give me the heebie-jeebies think about eating. Right. I can make myself do it. When it comes down to it, swallowing a really good supplement that maybe is eight capsules a day yep. or swallowing liver eating sardines is like, like <laughs> yeah. it's just not going to happen. But right. I can eat pretty well in general. Right. But it's going to be like, I could do desiccated liver capsules, yep. which is not going to be good as right. straight raw liver that's been frozen in microbes <laughs> right. and parasites gone. Right. But like, how do you balance that out with somebody who's like, that looks great on paper, huh? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. I get it. But like swallowing the needed brand or a couple other brands yep. that are more capsules, uh-huh. like where's that in between for those people who like they want to do well? Right. Because you're going to have more of the population that is like actively seeking. Yeah. I want to do better with nutrition. Right. And they're naturally going to be more open to like, all right, I'll take the liver, yeah. I'll eat the sardines, <laughs> right. I'll do it. Right. But when you're looking at kind of more of that average population. Yep. How do you, how would you handle that? Yeah. And that's a good question. And the first trimester speaks to that in a lot of ways. Like I have some clients that do beautifully after 18 weeks, you know, they can eat a really nutrient dense diet, but up until then it's like, we need that insurance policy of having the prenatal available. Um, you know, so I just work with a client where they're at, you know, I mean, if it's someone and I, I am pretty transparent, like, you know, me anyway, I'm pretty much like, just shoot it straight. Like if you're going to be able to do this, let's put you on this plan. But if not, this is the route we're going to go. The neat thing is there's a lot of really great brands with prenatals. Like I love seeking health. Dr. Ben Lynch, because he kind of prioritizes genetic variants and like MTHFR and in his formulations and a lot with like histamine, like a lot of women really have a hard time processing um, histamine and then have a histamine intolerance. And so he works a lot with things like that. Um, Like needed is a good option as well. But so, you know, we'll kind of work with like, I have one client like Seeking Health, it's eight capsules, like you said, just like needed. Mm -hmm. She just couldn't do it. So fortunately, Seeking Health has a chewable that's a two tablet deal that they can just pop and be done, you know? So I kind of just have to work and see where the client is capable of. The On the flip side, I do have a lot of clients that come to me with good intentions and then it just never comes to fruition. So then we just <laughs> have to kind of back up and say, you know, and the neat thing is we can certainly pull together. Like I don't rely on just the prenatal. And in fact, I don't really recommend that someone just takes a prenatal and that's it because we need so much more. I mean, you know, DHA, you know, having a great source that um, of omegas that are triple tested for purity and non and, and toxic materials. So like, you know, I love, um, Nordic naturals or Rosita's, you know, to have a really nice pure brand and per, pure blend. Uh, magnesium's a really underrated, you know, nutrient really for looking at like mineral status in pregnancy. Um, I think, you know, per like the birth center Boulder or BCH, they say no more than 400 milligrams of magnesium in pregnancy, but magnesium has such a broad spectrum. There's so many different forms of magnesium that can be utilized, but oftentimes I have a client who comes and they're like, oh, I was given magnesium citrate. And I'm like, well, citrate's more for like constipation. <laughs> so it's not really going to help you that much in pregnancy with your aches and pains and sleep and joint disruption. And so it is really important to find those other things. Um, and I guess kind of diving into the, the gambit, you know, those would be things I would definitely recommend. Vitamin D is something that's also, it's it's becoming a little bit more controversial, I think, because it's been over supplemented for so long. And there's just, there's some more research coming out. PubMed just released a couple of neat articles about it because 
a lot of people are able to synthesize and absorb vitamin D properly from the sun and a lot of foods, but we've kind of been told for X amount of time to keep supplementing. But we're finding that a lot of women specifically have enough vitamin D and sometimes are over supplemented. So that's one thing as a practitioner, I've kind of backed up from saying just like everyone should take 5,000 IUs. Instead, I'm looking closer at labs first and saying, okay, you know what? You have like your levels are at 70. Like you're good. From a functional perspective, we'd like to see 60 to 80. If someone's able to do that on our own without supplementation, I'm not going to add any more in. Yeah. So that's just one thing I've kind of seen. There's not a lot of like, this, there's some conflicting advice right now and, and kind of research on vitamin D and too much that it could cause some like calcification of the bones long-term and things like that. But I don't know. I don't think there's enough research yet on that to really say one way or the other. So vitamin D is one that can also help with a lot of infertility. We look at vitamin D pretty closely. Um, and then other supplement wise, what am I missing? Um, and then some things that I'll add in like beef liver, like you talked about, if it's a client that maybe isn't able to get a lot of B vitamins, um, beef liver is incredible because it has folate, selenium, B vitamins, iron, um, and just a lot that we can't just get from like an average diet. And it's also bioavailable because it's hundred percent food based. So it's not a synthetic form and vitamin A that leads to a whole other discussion about beef liver. But, um, and I could talk about beef liver for days. Anyone that <laughs> follows me, I'm like, Oh, here, here she goes again. But, um, beef liver, like vitamin A, I think we were just talking about this actually the other day, but you know, there's been a lot of conversation about too much vitamin A in pregnancy. And a lot of women are scared now to eat beef liver because they're like, oh, well, we were told from our practitioner, our OB, that we shouldn't have beef liver because it's high in vitamin A, which it is. That's not wrong. But in order to exceed the RDI for your vitamin A intake that day in, in conjunction with your prenatal, you would have to eat like two whole, you know, cow beef livers. I mean, it's like it, the, the amount of the quantity in this is just far beyond what anyone would ever intake. Right. So I do like to layer in beef liver if I can, whether that's a client that's able to take it in from a food source, like, you know, raw or, you know, maybe not raw in pregnancy, depending on your comfort level, or if you want to cook it or saute it or have it, some people just even like grind it up and put it in like a smoothie, which I don't know does, how people do that. Does the nutrient value change when it, I assume it would, when it's cooked versus raw and, yeah. and has there been studies as to how much that changes? Yeah. You know, there's, um, so Paul Saladino, we were talking when I first got here, you know, he did the heart and soil supplements and he's definitely, um, he talks a lot about the dehydrated liver and kind of the change. I don't think it's insane. I think they say it, it, it lessens by like 10 to 15% of okay. what it actually would be. Um, but it's the same thing. If you were to like freeze beef liver technically, and then like we talked about like freeze yeah. thaw, you're losing some nutrients anyway. Um, so I say, you know, for me personally, like we were talking about, and I have some clients that are perfectly capable and, and are comfortable eating raw beef liver in pregnancy. They, they'll freeze it and then just swallow, you know, chunks here and there, which, you know, kind of depends. Obviously there is a risk for parasites and things of that nature, um, in pregnancy, but that is probably your best way to get it in. I mean, because it is so nutrient dense and it's raw, pure state. Um, but there's a lot of great companies now like heart and soil, um, ancestral supplements is really great. Perfect supplements, smidge. They have some really nice beef liver products that are that are pretty good, but they are. And just as a note, if you're going to do it raw, it is better to freeze it. You, yeah. will, you should <laughs> yeah. freeze that. <laughs> we know from experience. We won't get into it right now. I <laughs> ate raw liver. It didn't go well. <laughs> but it was not frozen it, for weeks <laughs> yeah. at a time. So <laughs> reach out to Katie if you decide to go that route. Yes. Don't just uh, yeah. just don't dive right into uh, chopping it up. And <laughs> it's too late. I was very ambitious because I knew all the benefits of yeah. liver, and <laughs> this was straight from the farm. They had, like just 
package. I was like, I mean, it's fresh, right? It's perfect. Yeah. 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 Tum tum did yeah. not. So I, I have a question for you because, yeah. you know, most people are going to, most people, because some people do free births, yeah. are going to have a midwife or an OB. Yep. And they don't have very much nutrition experience mm-hmm. really at all. They just say take a prenatal. And then the prenatals right. that are commonly recommended are, um, Really, just be better if they didn't take them. When yeah. I look at them, I'm like, oof, oh, not I great. Um, especially because there's just not taking into account the genetic variations that can affect even vitamin right. A and not being able to convert yep. beta carotene, which is the plant version of vitamin A. Right. So we're looking at most people are not go- that are pregnant are not going to go the extra step and see somebody like yourself. Right. Nor is there enough nutritionists right now that exist to right. do that to break down and get all the labs and go through hair samples and all the things. Yep. Even if that sounds great that that would happen, it's just right. not going to, not anytime no. soon. So with that being said, like, what do you wish you could give as information to people who are not going to see a nutrition or nutritionist like yourself, mm-hmm. whose OB and midwife are not giving that information? Right. Maybe their insurance won't cover an extra vitamin D test. Right. It's not going to cover checking their Bs. Right. Like, what information would you love to get that person who's like, listen, I just don't have the resources for that. Yeah. Like, what what should I do? Could could they be on a specific supplement? Yeah. Would you recommend like this supplement, DHA and this. Yeah. If they're like, I don't live anywhere near where I can get fresh liver, <laughs> yeah. like what should I do? Right. Now that's a good question. Cause that is a, a general, you know, portion of the population. First of all, having kids is expensive. So it's hard to invest when you know you're going to have medical bills coming out, or if it's someone who knows they're going to have a C-section and maybe, you know, isn't, is kind of preparing for that. It is expensive to seek nutritional advice. And there is a handful of, you know, lucky people out there that, you know, see a practitioner that is really mindful and does talk mm-hmm. about nutrition a lot, but Yeah, I would say it's kind of like a general idea. I mean, first of all, there's some great books like we've talked about, like Lily Nichols wrote a really nice book, um, Nutrition for Pregnancy, which is a beautiful resource. Um, And I just love that it's in the hands of so many people now. So that can be really great. And she gives a lot of good options for people that may live in a rural setting and may not have access to, you know, every, you know, vitamin cottage or natural grocers right down the road. Um, Outside of that, you know, the general kind of idea that I tell everyone is yes, find a really great prenatal. And like we talked about, you know, falling into that methylated folate, because if you don't have the option to get supplemented, um, definitely, you know, try to go that route. So something like seeking health needed. Um, I think there's another one that's called, um, I have to remember the name. I'll have to, I'll write you guys about it. But yeah, there's another one that I really love that just kind of came on the market. That's really good. Is it um, full well? Yes. Full well. Okay, yeah, yeah. Cause I just got samples of it. So I haven't <laughs> taken it, but I like the whole like composition of it. So that's a good option too. So I would always say finding a good prenatal and then working with your practitioner on that. Um, Another thing that's kind of underrated are probiotics. Um, I think a lot of times that's something that should be talked about a lot more because we're seeing a lot in clinical trials of the importance of having probiotics for mom, both in the preconception period through pregnancy and it helping actually um, with like GERD, um, acid reflux, you know, things kind of complicated in the baby in you know, the first few weeks. Mm-hmm. So it is really helpful to kind of foster a strong microbiome for the mom to then pass that on to baby. Also with group B strep, it's important to stay on a probiotic. So a couple of brands of that, that I really like is just thrive and seed. Um, there's also a mega spore biotic that's pretty, um, pretty digestible as well. So things like that, that would definitely be important. And then really the fish oil, definitely magnesium and then vitamin D, you know, and I always kind of tell my clients that don't have the resources to test because testing isn't cheap. And oftentimes it's not covered by insurance. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, be a, be a proponent of intentional intuitive eating and really listen to your body. You know, what does your body want? I mean, if we really back up and kind of look, you know, 
30, 40 years ago without social media, without, you know, technology all the time, without the TV on, I think we paid more attention to what we actually wanted. And sometimes when you sit with that, you know, I've noticed even on backpacking trips, unfortunately, usually what I want isn't there, but I usually like, (laughs) this is what my body needs, you know? And like, so I think when we kind of stop the noise, we really can pay attention to what our bodies are telling us. So I'm really a proponent of that is like having people really step back in pregnancy and in preconception and say, you know, your body's generally going to tell you, like, are you feeling like some, someone were just like, I crave a burger like every week in pregnancy. I'm like, okay, well let's, you know, why, let's think about, yeah, that? like yeah. <laughs> it's your blood volume you know, you probably need more iron, you know, those things. So that's always what I would say. And vitamin D is pretty polarizing. You know, a lot of times with vitamin D, we'll see like, um, seasonal disorder, you know, people seem to have a little bit more irritation around like time change and the light changing and then things like that. Sleep can also be affected, you know, mood swings, mood disorders, you know, so those are kind of things to kind of pay attention to fatigue. I mean, that's one thing in pregnancy, you know, you, you are going to be tired, but extreme fatigue is something that I think if a lot of us paid more attention, you know, we could probably kind of fix that with some food groups and, and time outside too. So if I'm craving a beach vacation, does that mean <laughs> yeah, I need vitamin D? That does. You are, you are deficient. <laughs> you need to go. You really need to go do that. <laughs> I think it's more of a mineral. You just need to go to the sandbox. Yeah. 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 <laughs> she can do it right outside. No problem. It's Colorado sun. A little wind. Um, so one thing I've seen on a few labels of checking, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, and you can weigh in on this or I guess yeah. just affirm what yeah. I've seen is supplement companies are now knowing that we need folate yeah. and are you seeing that sub text yeah. uh-huh. yeah. right? exactly. so that says X amount from folic acid? Yeah. Yep. That's definitely something you're seeing more and more because there is a lot more discussion on it. It's interesting though, because I had a friend that put this whole thing on Instagram. She made a reel about folic acid and folate and kind of everything we talked about and the importance of, I, she was working with a client that had, um, had been told to take folic acid. So she kind of went on this rant and did her whole spiel about it. And there was so much, um, pushback and it actually went viral because this was like this whole debate. Oh wow! And it's, it really amazed me because I think in my small circle, I feel like the it's out, like the word's out, you know, yeah, methylated. that's what I thought you know, too. <laughs> you gotta like, it's a, it's a, like methylated folate or like, that's it, you know? But I realized after seeing her thing, first of all, how many practitioners are very passionate still about folic acid and are not seeing the research or they just maybe have done their own research and it's limited and they still feel like folic acid is it. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see how many people still, like I have clients still that come to me and say, oh, I'm on folic acid. I'm like, what? You're like, like what why? Are you doing? But I mean, it does take an average, it, what the, the studies say of 17 yeah. years before research goes into practice. Yep. And so I have a close family member who I got mm-hmm. in an argument with this exact topic about. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I felt very confident. It was like the right. first topic that I was like, I own this one. I know right. it. And we chat about it. What it came down to was that practitioners are going based off of the research. Right. The research commonly uses that they're looking at folic acid. Why? Because it did show mm-hmm. to decrease neural tube defects. Right. But now you're looking at, well, why do they use folic acid and not folate? Did they just not know? Yeah. Or is it just cheaper when you're doing studies that are having 10, right. 20,000 people? Right. And the answer is that folic acid is synthetic and it's super cheap yeah. compared to it is. MTHF. Yeah. So, you know, it comes yeah. down to that. And so she's like, but it makes people, it does reduce neural tube defects. I go, yeah. sure. Yeah. But could it make things better? And is it doing other things to that body? Right. If they're not having the MTJ, yeah. and she's like, well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> There's a couple of brands too that are doing like methyl free forms too. I guess if someone is having like a, you know, maybe an abundance of, you know, absorption or something's going on that we need to kind of look at. But yeah, that's, it is interesting. And I think this really just comes down to, because mm-hmm. I had a 
very, very short, not waste my time, uh, <laughs> internet debate with a pediatrician about something uh -huh. about coming about milestones about uh -huh. crawling. Right. So it's the same thing. I think it just really, def I think the differentiation is yeah. we just have a different opinion as to what maybe healthy or optimal actually is, right? right? Where we see one side of the spectrum is very much about, well, mm -hmm. we're going to play the conservative role and we right. take this because we don't want certain things to happen, right? right? Defense mode. Right. Well, we're thinking more offense mode, right? Yeah. We want this to like flourish and thrive as best as possible. So what's going to be the best option? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's interesting. I think coming from an integrated perspective, I mean, I think we're all kind of immersed in, in the research, you know, even something as simple as like red raspberry leaf tea is something like, I did a post on that today. And so many people are just so scared. You know, they've been told if I take this before 38 weeks, like, you know, I could, you know, have uterine contractions and baby could come. And it's like, you know, and I really want to like, you know, sit with people that are having that fear and, you know, totally understand where that comes yeah. from. But at the same time, like, I do think we have to get back to this point of being fairly intuitive and, you know, yeah. trusting our bodies and knowing that these resources have been around for a long time. And, you know, how do we utilize that? And, you know, with new research always comes changes, but um, it is interesting. The folic acid thing is it's, yeah, it's definitely controversial. I would say <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. So outside of folic acid mm -hmm. and the supplements, so yeah. we're talking about whole foods, mm -hmm. liver being big. Yep. What are some of the other just general recommendations from, mm -hmm. uh, so I guess one of the things would be, I mean, I think the hard part for some people is when you're looking at supplements, one of the big worries is, am I absorbing it right. first and foremost? We know better forms. That definitely helps. Yep. But when you're talking about all the different symptoms for pregnancy with mm -hmm. energy levels, so on and so forth, yeah. rather than going down the rabbit hole of assuming that this will fix everything, what are some of the other big either nutritional things or just yep. general suggestions for yeah. Pregnancy do you give? Yeah. So the first thing, you know, I always say is, first of all, we need to spend time outside. You know, I'll kind of start with the lifestyle things, you know, to start. Because yeah. I think sometimes in pregnancy, you know, and I was guilty of this, like up until 20 weeks, I didn't feel that great. So I really didn't like leave the house much. I was pretty much, you know, definitely dealing with some nausea and things. And some of that's genetic. And there, I have my own suspicions that I was low in copper. And, you know, maybe that was why I had these <laughs> things and B6. But you know, I think first and foremost, it's really helpful to get outside, get natural sunlight, you know, every day. That's really impactful. Um, next to that is, you know, like we mentioned with food, you know, making sure you're eating these forms of food that are bioavailable. You know, I always kind of go back to my days in, in the natural food space is like when you're shopping, always shopping like the external, you know, the square of the grocery store. So trying to avoid the internal aisles um, because it's you're going to be getting those real whole foods. You know, when we start looking at a lot of processed foods in pregnancy you know, not to go down a rabbit hole, but PUFAs, you know, seed oils, polyunsaturated fats, that can be hard on the body. So, you know, when you're eating things that we want to make sure they're full fat, they're good oils. So coconut oil, avocado oil, um, beef tallow, ghee, things like that are really uh, nourishing and nutritive. Um, you know, as far as meats go, I mean, obviously I've, I've worked with a lot of vegans and vegetarians in the past. I would say I definitely lean in more to the that's just more my niche is I'm really a big proponent of kind of this, you know, well-rounded eating patterns and eating, you know, meat sources. But, you know, if, if it is a vegetarian, like leaning in, I just had a client, you know, that just had her little one and she had a beautiful pregnancy, you know, hundred percent vegan and did just a great job, you know, really like landed it. She just ate super well, did a great job. And we, we really relied a lot on like nuts. Like that was like her big source of omegas and, you know, poly some, I guess the good polyunsaturated fats. Um, and then also making sure she had plenty of good fat options in her system. She was getting a lot of protein. Um, so it kind of depends, you know, depending on the client meat products, obviously beef liver, we talked about bone and meats are amazing because bone and meats tend to, when they're stewed or cooked together, 
together, they leach more um, vitamins and minerals into the meat product rather than something that's not, you know, bone in. So, you know, looking for like bone in chicken thighs or short ribs and things like that. Um, and then fish products, wild caught fish. So that's a big topic too, is just making sure you're not really intaking a lot of fish that's rich in toxins, mercury, all of those things. So I typically recommend smaller fish, like sardines are really great. Tuna can be had in moderation, but really it's pretty high in mercury. So I always say to avoid that. Um, and then, you know, obviously the sardines, those are great because they have really small bones, so they're high in calcium. Um, and then salmon is starting to test a little bit higher with for toxins. Um, I like like Arctic char, if you can find that wild because it comes from colder waters. Cod is really great. Um, and then obviously just getting in a well-rounded diet of leafy greens, vegetables, root vegetables are really great in pregnancy. Um, cheeses, you know, I like to say if you can go raw, you know, if you're comfortable with raw dairy and raw cheese, if you have a local supplier, that's great. And you trust them. Um, if not grass fed is great. Um, and then eggs, eggs are just like a superfood for pregnancy. It's full of choline, full of omegas, full of copper. Um, copper is a big one. You know, when we look at fertility, a lot of times, especially, especially really in males, we see instances of low copper, um, and in females too, but it's really important. Um, there's not a lot of foods that are rich in copper. Eggs are one of them. Oysters are another oyster. Oysters are great to have too, like a smoked oyster or smoked mussel. Um, you can get those in little, you know, cans, just making sure they're BPA free and they're also smoked in olive oil. Um, I could go on about this for days. So those are some of my favorites. And speaking, just to add on to this thing, because yeah. you brought up the male side of it, yeah. there's a lot more studies that are coming out about the placental mm -hmm. health, the umbilical cord, even yep. mother having nausea versus not, that it yeah. could actually be coming from the yeah. male side of things. So making sure that it's not just the female that's putting yep. in the right. time and energy. Of course, yeah. it's her body that's nourishing it once the conception yeah. happens. Right. But as everything just starts unfolding, those cells start replicating right. and things happen. What was the 50% right. coming from? Is exactly. it coming from a healthy male? And so all the same right. things you said are still true yeah. for the male. There's going to be things that you tweak. So is there anything right. with conception that you yeah. suggest for the male party on top of all you ever said yeah. for... Yeah, emails. that's a great point. Especially, you know, there's a lot coming out too about miscarriage rates and really being more male factor than female factor. So a lot of that does come down to copper. That's the really the biggest thing. So like shellfish is really wonderful, like oysters, mussels. Um, you know, CoQ10 is really great as far as a supplement source. It's good for our cardiovascular health, but it's also really great for fertility, both in female females and men. Um, NAC is a really powerful supplement. It's anacetylcysteine. Um, and it's a bioflavonoid that can also help um kind of help with you know, fertility needs. It's also really great in men, but also it helps sperm health and mobility and also women with their, it helps kind of boost up ovulation in a way. So it's really helpful with PCOS and things like that. Um, and then my husband always hates this one. Fenugreek is a really interesting <laughs> herb. Um, and so it can be taken in capsule form and it helps sperm mobility. So a lot of times if we have someone that's going through like an IUI trial or IVF and they're having like a sperm mobility issue, this is a really wonderful herb for that. It's also just great for general male health when you're coming to fertility and things like that. The only caveat is I had my husband on it for a while and he was like, you know what? I think I started, I smell like maple. Do you smell like, does he was like, do I feel like, you know, I, he's like, I have this new BO and it's like, it's weird. It almost sounds like a pancake or like, you know, sounds sort of great. Like sounds a lot better than other options. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't know what that could be. And then I started to research it more and I was like, uh oh, because it does start to kind of leak out of your system. So that's the only <laughs> caveat. If you're going to have Finn and Greek, be ready for that. Be ready so, for pancakes. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> could be worse. Yeah. Could be worse. Exactly. And then beef liver, you know, back to that. I think that's a really good option. Um, I kind of, you know, it's funny. A lot of my clients, I'm like, have your husband eat the same way. Like everything yeah. we're kind of putting together is like, but we talked a lot about this. It's kind of like eating like our grandparents and eating like our ancestors and looking back to like 
okay, you know, I, even like my grandma, I remember she would make like a big chuck roast and she would like take the fat off the top of the chuck roast and it was done and use that as her like rendered fat for the week. So yeah. she wouldn't even, because they didn't have a lot of excess resources and money. So yep. she was like, butter's expensive. I'm just going to use this like lard or tallow yes. for the rest of the week. Can, can by the stove. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so that would be kind of my recommendations for male and female fertility. One other thing, you know, it's really important for conception, both for females and, and males is also blood sugar sugar balance. You know, we've talked some about this is looking at, you know, as a society, we're undernourished and we're not eating enough. You're not taking enough calories. We're not really paying attention to how we should eat. And it's really important to really fine tune when you're eating. You know, I always recommend eating within like 45 minutes to an hour of waking up and every two to three hours after that. That's great in pregnancy. It's great for preconception, great in postpartum. It's just going to help you kind of balance yourself overall. Um, and that's something I think as a society, we just, we don't eat enough. Um, you know, on, on average, women are undernourished and not taking in the calories they need. So I think that's I wonder really why. Is there a message that's been passed around? And yeah. yeah. <laughs> Special K commercials <laughs> yeah. that go around. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, it's so sad, you know, because I think it's just we've gotten away from this. Like, okay, we want to feel like nourished and healthy. And, you know, and it's um, when I even, I get a lot of comments, like when I do my birth center classes on prenatal nutrition, as because our, you know, caloric intake and our needs, it, you know, go throughout pregnancy. So you start at like 1800 roughly. I mean, that's on average first trimester, then 2000 second and 2200 and the third. And I just have so many clients that struggle with that. They just have mm-hmm. this, you know, these, and sadly these disordered eating patterns that we have to reframe and kind of work with. And, yeah. and a lot of that is just, you know, kind of going through the motions and, you know, if it's trauma based or whatever's going on, but really retraining our minds on like, okay, this is good for you. You know, you do need to nourish yourself and there's this new life coming too. So. Right. And that is something that has to be talked about is like your yes. body's going to change. And I talk about that a lot yep. because I have a lot of very fit women coming in and yep. it's really disturbing their body's going to change and yeah. just giving them the confidence that like things will, you'll right. get you back. I promise right. you'll get back to your movements. Right. But we see a lot from the movement, like in like the body work perspective of gripping and holding onto the abs, because what yeah. are we taught from a young age? Like pollen abs and like you got to be small. And so then they keep that pattern. And then we have positional issues because baby doesn't have space. Like you should look pregnant when you're like 35 weeks. And if you don't, you're holding your abs too much. So it comes down to food and how they're holding body that comes from just a whole other thing from earlier on for them that we have to focus on. Yeah. And there was one other thing, you know, in that same mindset is like, you know, in the traditional, if we look at just, you know, OBs and what they're kind of recommending, they're recommending usually like 60 grams of, of protein. And really we're finding on average women need anywhere from hundred to 130 grams of protein a day in pregnancy. So that's one other thing I want to make sure I hit on because that's something I drive home with a lot of my clients and we see just lessened, you know, propensity for nausea, you know, any kind of things coming up, preterm labor, um, preeclampsia, when you do have a lot of protein in the system and it does help with your recovery and glycine and collagen repair and all of that too. So that was one thing I wanted to mention. Perfect. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I don't have any other questions. No further questions. Uh, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? No, I think that's great. Thanks for having me on. This is a dream. I mean, I could sit here all day. <laughs> I know. Whether I the camera was on to you all day. Whether the camera was on or not, two, this is fun. 2.0 coming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so, so much. Fun. <laughs>